Hi, Hannah. Hey, Anna. Hey, so we've been talking about our identities as writers for a while now. I think it's time to do our podcast. That's a great idea, but what should we call it? Hmm. How about how about a play on the pen is mightier than the sword? Like the pen is that, that's it. The pen is. The pen is so many things. It's scary, it's honest, it's funny, and the pen lets us explore what it means to be a work in progress. <laughs> and hey, Hana, we are a work in progress. You said it. Let's get started. Okay. Okay, so then I want to know from you, what was the process of writing um, this prompt like for you? So tell me just a couple kind of um, examples of things I'm curious about. Did you sit down and write it all at once or did it kind of come in fits and starts? Um, Did you edit it after you had finished the initial writing? Where were you when you wrote this? You know, that, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so it, it definitely took me a couple days to kind of sit on it, and I was I had this this fear that I would just keep procrastinating, keep procrastinating, keep procrastinating, and not do it. And so I knew I had to to make a you know a commitment to myself that I was going to do it within the next couple you know nights. And um, just like full disclosure, as you know, I I am currently going through the beginning stages of a divorce. And um, really in the throes of all the grief and transition and shame and guilt and all the stuff that goes into um, not only just ending any sort of relationship, but also especially ending one that is a 14 year long marriage with a child. Um, And so basically every evening, any downtime I have, I am processing, I am emoting, I am journaling, I am crying, I am reading, um, I'm doing some sort of thing to help me, you know, move through this, you know, excruciatingly painful process. And so it was helpful to have the writing prompt that you gave me, um, because it was, it, it related to where my mind most is right now, which is, is trying to move through this, this painful process. And so I think it was, I, I have my room to myself now, which is exhilarating. And also there's you know, an element of loneliness to being by myself again. And so I, I get to do whatever I want in the evenings, which is really nice. Um, I kind of have missed that being, you know, uh, having that all, all through college and things like that. But um, I was in my room and I have this really sweet Himalayan pink salt lamp that a friend of mine had given me for Christmas last year. And so it it gives us this really beautiful rosy glow in my room. And I was sitting in my big king bed um, with my laptop. And I decided that, you know, not only do I feel motivated to write in general, I feel motivated to specifically write about the, the topic that you gave me. And um, because I do like to kind of go back in time and especially with the prompt of, of writing about a time in my past through the lens of who I am or what I know now. And 
the process actually was incredibly enlightening and we can go more in detail about that later. But um, I just wrote it all out. You know, it, it felt like just a journaling exercise to be honest, but I, I made it more, um, I definitely put effort into making it legible for, I don't even wanna say legible cause that's not maybe the right word, readable, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, digestible for an audience outside of myself. And so um, instead of doing just sort of like a, a journal prompt, which is, I know no one else is gonna read it, not, maybe not even me again, this I wrote with, with, with the intent of it being written. So I, I definitely paid more attention to sentence structures and, and, and how I was writing and how clearly I was writing. Um, but what I'm finding in my writing these days is if I am writing for a purpose beyond myself, that it comes so easily with just introduction, you know, body of, of the piece and conclusion. And I don't even necessarily think of that in advance. I just begin writing. Um, on one hand, that's great because it's more freestyle. On another, I probably would benefit from more structure depending on the piece. But I wrote it in one, in one go, probably in 20 minutes. I um, definitely, I do like to reread my work. I like to read it out loud um, to make sure that it makes sense. And I, I, I did edit that piece several times, not only that evening, but then um, in the next couple of days, I actually sent this piece to my therapist. Um, and so before sending it to her, I read it through again and made even more edits. And so it was sort of this piece that I kind of just kept coming back to throughout the week. I will say from my end, uh, I did not get the impression that you were procrastinating <laughs> after we talked about starting this. Um, you gave me the kick in the pants that I needed when I received your, um, or when you told me that you had fit, finished writing. Uh -huh. um, and I was like, oh, okay, I guess I need to do that too. So thank you for <laughs> me the nudge that, that I needed to get going on my own from. You're, you're so welcome. <laughs> did you, uh, did you want to ask me another question or do you want to answer it for yourself? Of, uh, of your yeah, I can answer it. And then, Great. um, and then, yeah, my, my questions after that are kind of getting more to the prompt. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I waited for a few days. Um, I'm sure I probably had the time to do it earlier, but again, still getting used to writing regularly. Um, but once I sat down and wrote, um, it was all in one sitting. I didn't edit it afterwards. I have not reread it since. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so again, hate rereading my stuff. Um, I kind of feel like uh, when I write, even if I know no one else is going to read it, I still, in my mind, feel like I have to write it for an audience. Um, so I'm not great at kind of letting go of some of those, like, formal structures and stuff just to kind of have stream of consciousness or whatever you might want to call it um, come out. But it was uh, a lot, I guess, more fluid than I was anticipating. I, when I was younger, I kind of had trouble read or writing, I should say, um, longer pa papers and things. I know I always had friends who would say, oh, you know, we had to write this 15 page paper and how do I edit it down from the 25 pages I've written? And I never understood 
that perspective because it was always like eking out every little sentence I could just to make the minimum amount of pages. <laughs> right. Um, exactly. yeah. But with this one, you know, again, I think like you said, these are topics that we're passionate about. Um, and so it's something I've been thinking about for a while before we'd come up with the prompts. And uh, so it was sort of a relief to sit down and write this down more concretely instead of just having it floating in my head. Um, I wrote it the same place I'm sitting right now, which is where I spend a lot of my time during COVID and also during my uh, life as a housefrau in Germany, which is <laughs> our couch. <laughs> I've become very good friends with this couch. Um, and yeah, I may need to change up my writing uh, setting a little bit because the joys of getting older mean that I've been experiencing some back pain recently. And so I need <laughs> to a more conducive chair, uh, though probably not an ergonomic. Mm. Yes. Okay, so I'll read the first paragraph because it's, it's pretty long. Okay, and do you want to start by saying what the prompt was? Yes, so the prompt was to, I wrote it down, but I'm going to just paraphrase, is to reflect upon my um, life when I was single for the first time um, in college during the time that I knew you, Hannah, and um, to reflect upon that experience, those nine months of being single uh, through the lens or guise of who I am today. Um, I, I think that was basically it. Okay. Yeah, Great. sure. I, at least that's what I wrote about. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I called this the single life of reflection. My breakup with Eric was heartbreaking, freeing, and utterly transforming. And I was only 21. So young, so confused and bewildered and terrified. My personal toolbox was nearly empty and so I had no awareness of how and why I behaved and thought the way I did. And when I was with Eric, I was entirely negatively attached. We had trauma bonded and created an incredibly toxic codependent relationship. It was so caustic that I spent most of my days feeling physically ill because he wasn't with me. Our relationship at that point was long distance, but short distance enough that I would waste away my weekends in Corvallis trying to desperately get my emotional and intimate needs met. And when I returned home from these visits or weekend booty calls as I began to refer to them, instead of being emotionally buoyed, I felt drained, unhappy, angry, Lonely. Loneliness is a theme that I can follow the storyline up to the very moments of my first memories. Scared, sick and scared, always searching for someone to tell me it's okay. And that these scary thoughts and feelings aren't real. That my mother would actually see me. Thanks. It, it really does have a different or a richer um feel to hear you say this in your voice and like to hear the emotions not only as I'm reading it on the page but in your voice as you're recounting it so I think it does add something for sure I, and I want to also say that I've definitely edited it since I gave you the, the one that you have so you're probably following along going wait that's not what I was written so <laughs> I did some edits <laughs> no, no it's it's Great. And, and like I said, what I read, um, I really appreciated. 
So, okay. So I'm thinking if maybe we can go through your prompt, I'll ask you my sure. questions, I'll give you my feedback, and then we can kind of do the whole thing with, with my end as well. Perfect. Yes. Um, so, okay. Actually, I think I'll start with my reflection and then ask you my questions. Great. Um, this was... I hope enjoyable isn't um, an inappropriate word. <laughs> I really enjoyed reading this. Um, yes, obviously it's about a very um, emotionally fraught time in your life and an emotionally complicated part of your life experience. Um, but it was so wonderful to get more of a peek into your brain, your experience at that time when we were living together and spending so much time together. Um, it really allows me, after the fact that you and I have now known each other for uh, 18 years, it, it was really enjoyable to feel like I'm getting a deeper peek into, you know, the experiences and emotions and thoughts of one of my best friends. So, that was really wonderful. You have a very vivid voice. Um, you can, like I can, even, even without hearing you reading in your own voice, I can feel the emotion as I read, you know, I could feel the emotion as I was reading the prompt. Um, and it was interesting to then kind of contrast it with my memories of our time. So our, you know, our junior and senior years in college, especially. Um, you know, I think I remember our junior year in particular was a really draining time for both of us. You know, you were, uh, you know, kind of balancing this relationship with Eric and I think really kind of questioning its role in your life, especially, um, you know, as something that you had taken from your high school life into college. And then obviously in college, people change a lot. Um, and so I remember us having conversations about sort of what that meant for you um, to be in this relationship from this earlier period of your life. Um, yeah, so I, I do, I remember junior year it being just, I think both of us at the end of the year were <laughs> for various reasons. And, you know, the, the change going into senior year where we weren't living together, but I kind of feel like you were the unofficial roommate at my house anyway because we saw like it we saw so much of each other it didn't even feel like uh, much had changed mm -hmm. um but seeing the energy and excitement and kind of like um girlish like exploration that I felt like you experienced senior year mm -hmm. of yeah, like kind of getting to explore new parts of yourself, new aspects of being in college that you hadn't had the space to explore having this long distance relationship uh, really made me happy. It was really exciting to be able to kind of explore that alongside you. Um, and so, you know, reading about that here and how Kind of so you know obviously the end of the breakup was not a pleasant experience but it was sort of but you said it was 
uh, incredibly painful and exquisitely freeing. Um, and so I feel like I, I kind of saw that freedom that you experienced. Um, you know, I didn't, I guess I wasn't quite as aware you talk about that was when you really started to write music. And I do have a little bit of recollection of you doing that, but I obviously wasn't in your room with you every night when you were doing that. So I didn't realize how much of a change that had made um, on your music. Um, but just, yeah, like you were, you had more energy and emotional space and motivation to get out and, and just like taste all the different experiences that were out there in Eugene. Um, and it was a really amazing time to be um, in a, such a close friendship with you. And I really liked it. Hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I don't wanna, it's hard to know how to say this. <laughs> I was a little, I was a little sad when you met your, now husband because I felt like there was this period of just like kind of crazy abandon that we'd had you know doing things and having all the fun and I felt like this was a little bit of I was excited for you because the beginning of any relationship typically is you know a period of um, a lot of like joy and excitement and love and all of these great things and I was happy for you that you were experiencing that but there was a, a part of me that was sort of like oh okay, I guess pack up those adventures into our like box of memories and that'll, that'll be it. Um, which I don't think is entirely fair to you because I think, I mean, you continue to be very much an adventurous person after, you know, starting your relationship with Matt. Um, and I think sometimes society tells us that people in relationships are not as adventurous and I'm, and it's not necessarily accurate or realistic for everyone. Um, and so I hope that I didn't like put you in a box because of my perception of your, of how that relation, being in that relationship, you know, changed you from how you'd been when you were single. Yeah, I just, I do want to respond to that and appreciate um, you saying that. And it, it, it actually, um, is, is heartening to hear you say that just because some reflection upon myself and how I have, um, how I change myself when I am in a relationship. I didn't, I didn't quite realize that pattern I have until now, <laughs> until I began to, to branch out and find myself again, doing the same thing I did in my previous relationship that this prompt is about, um, mm -hmm. To, to where I am today and where I have been in the last eight or so years, that you are absolutely 100% correct that, at least for me, in, in my experience and what happens when I end up in relationship, is I make that relationship my entire being and my entire self and my entire world. And um, it, it is very true that once, obviously, we graduated and we we're we're living in different states and, you know, we couldn't necessarily continue the adventures that we otherwise had living, you know, in the same town. Um, we didn't see each other really after that, hardly. I think the next time maybe we saw each other was randomly in New Jersey, maybe, or maybe a time in Eugene we both visited. I don't know. Yeah. But um, 
I, I just want to reflect that like the adventures and the time that I've had with you in college have been incredibly um, transforming in, in, in the sense that when I look back upon the joyful memories I've had during that time, you were always present. It always is either because I'm living with you or especially our senior year where I do feel like we were the closest. Mm -hmm. um, and I also acknowledge that our junior year was, <laughs> was pretty shitty for both of us. <laughs> at least my, uh, and, and not necessarily our relationship, but just the things we were both experiencing and, and working through. Um, no. I think we were both, the, the, our junior year of our friendship, I think was the most challenging. Mm -hmm. um, Although having your, your friendship was one of the things that helped me get through that year. But yeah. and, and same with you. Absolutely. I like, I do consider you one of my very best friends, even though, um, even now we rarely see each other, but, um, but I do want to want to circle back. I want to appreciate that, that you did notice that, that there was some sadness within you because, um, you sensed or saw that pattern in me of when I get into relationship with a man, um, that's romantically inclined that, um, you do lose me. You do lose a sense of, of this, this more carefree adventurous friend, um, of which, um, yeah, you, you lose me. So I acknowledge that and appreciate that, that it is heartening that you say that because I know it means that you care. Okay. If I could give you a hug through the computer. <laughs> <laughs> computer hugs. Digital hugs. hugs in the age of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I, and, and thank you for your, your reflection on that and, and your experience in that time. Um, it, it's helpful because obviously I'm, I'm shrouded in my own experience and a lot of it, I honestly don't have a lot of memories of, I think I've blocked a lot out. Mm -hmm. I think, so looking at this from kind of the writing perspective, um, I will say I really enjoy how you use language. You create very um, like vivid images, um, even not necessarily of like concrete tangible items, but mm -hmm. you talk about um, the golden nugget of understanding and like glorious nine months of singleton. Like I just love your turn of phrase and I really, it makes your reading your writing in, really enjoyable. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yes. I enjoy using those things. So I'm glad it's not just like a turn off. <laughs> no, not <laughs> Overzealous maybe. <laughs> So then um, I have two questions for you about the experience for this yes. particular one. Um, so what was challenging and what was enjoyable about writing on this topic? And were there any surprises when you were writing it? So I, I was excited about this prompt from the very start, just because I felt like it was definitely very relevant to you you chose this in a very relevant way and that helps with the motivation and help with um, even the process of wanting to write about that experience in college and, and how it's um, it it parallels what's happening with me today and I, I'm trying to think about the chal any challenges I had with it because it, it was so easy I guess I want to say for me to do in terms of um, the content was, was ready, readily available because I was ready to look into it, 
to see it. And I was excited because it was something that perhaps I had thought about um, going deeper into the idea of what it means for me to be single. But until you had mentioned it, it wasn't something that I had necessarily decided to reflect upon further. Um, and so it, it was a bit challenging just to see like, oh my God, I've just repeated a pattern that I thought I had, um, didn't realize I was gonna repeat in 14 or even less than 14 years. <laughs> However quickly it, uh, I began to repeat that pattern as I started my new relationship. So that was a bit of, I would say that's a challenge just because I, I had to face this reality that, holy shit, I haven't really done the work that I've needed to do in the last 14 years to not create another uh, toxic relationship that I need to remove myself from because of the way I behave, because of the patterns I have been given. Um, so that was challenging to really face and sit in that reality of, I did it again. <laughs> and now I did it even worse because not only is it just a boyfriend from high school that I'm splitting up with, but I'm actually having to go through an actual um, um, legal process of divorcing, of splitting assets, of like most likely going to be losing my house and have nowhere to live in less than a year. And I have a five-year-old child that I'm responsible for. So um, the reality came crashing down as I was writing this piece of, I can't let this happen again. <laughs> mm -hmm. I got to figure out what it is that I am doing that creates these toxic patterns that I end up in relationships like I can no longer be in. Well, it's not only me, obviously, but that I'm perpetuating somehow because of behaviors and reactions that I have. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess that also ties into the insights that I gained from this of, of just, this has to stop. This, this process that I go through that is extremely codependent in nature is, is probably one of the biggest cruxes of it. And on top of that, from what I was writing about, like the, what I said about the golden nugget um, of that truth of, of, while I was on a path to find true deep connection, that was a correct path, 100%. However, I was going about it in the wrong direction. I was searching, it for, searching for that true connection externally when I needed to be finding it internally. Mm -hmm. And as I said in the prompts, you know, people always say you can't love fully until you love yourself. I've always heard that. I've always understood. I thought I understood that. But what I'm finding with my brain is that I can hear you say something over and over and over and over again, but I will never be able to truly understand it until I have experienced and embodied what it is, whatever it is that lesson is. And in the last, I would say more specifically, yes, in the last eight years, since I went on a vision quest to begin this process, is more significantly in the last four years as I have stepped into the world of polyamory and stepped into um, personal individual therapy that I am actually turning everything in inward 
and understanding who I am, what I want, what I need, and that the reason I end up in uh, toxic relationships, even if they don't start that way, the, the reason that they end up in that way, a lot of it is, is because I allow it, because I'm betraying myself over and over again, because I'm allowing other people's behaviors that don't work for me. Um, so stepping into this more specifically for being single is I need to spend time with myself. I need to create a love affair with myself so that when I do end up in a, a more significant primary relationship again, I am moving into that relationship as a whole person, as a person where I have all these needs that I need met. And I will demand those needs to be met with some compromise as long as it's not a betrayal to myself. But that instead of me merging myself into another being and becoming that other person, because I have no idea who I am, I'm actually merging two whole beings into, uh, into a relationship where we still are significantly individuals within ourselves, yet we can blend a beautiful connection that's deep and true with each other while still being able to stay in our own spheres. Mm-hmm. That is what I realized the crux of, of this being single and, and, and what came out of me in college, the, the, the songwriting, the ability to be by myself, the, the, the tapping into the childhood passions that I had as a child. I, I realize now that as a child, before I hit adolescence, I was carefree, I, I was adventurous, I was joyful. I was always doing things, creating, singing, digging, always finding new things and, and finding the joy in being with other people. It wasn't until I hit adolescence that the hormones hit, that these stories that weren't mine came into my field. And I thought that the only way to be happy was to be connected with another human being, specifically a man. Um, and so I vow to myself that while I might still be able to allow myself physical connection with people during this time, I am not willing and able to be in any kind of primary relationship with somebody, whether it's a man or a woman, um, until I have truly allowed myself to understand who I am without having to merge into another human being. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty big realization to have. <laughs> yeah, all from your, your little prompt. Well, but that's not to say that you weren't doing the work to lead up to, you know, you, you're not just going to have this realization because you happen to write this prompt, like you've been working on this reflection and this discovery of yourself for, for some time. And so maybe it was just the yes. question at the right time when you've done Yes. Work. I was ready for that lesson. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. Very cool. Thank you. My pleasure. Is there anything else you want to ask me <laughs> before we move <laughs> to you? Um, no, but oh, so one other reflection I had while reading this, uh, I just want to say, yes. again, talking about some of the language is um, how differently 36 year old Anna talks about these things. I think in part because of the work that you've been doing um, therapeutically, both on your own and with, you know, with professionals. Um, 
it's just interesting to me how we, you know, as you said, you're looking back on your college self from your present day lens. And so even, you know, in that first paragraph that you wrote about, um, you know, you were negatively attached to Eric, you trauma bonded and created, created um, a toxic codependent relationship. You know, just thinking about when we were 20 and 21, we would never have used these terms, even if we had learned them. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think we just kind of had that hubris of, of younger people of like, you know, that, that psychobabble jargon doesn't apply to me. And, you know, I'm just mm -hmm. living my life. And yet how helpful it has become now that we appreciate and I think understand the complexities that language helps us define. Um, so that was very interesting to read it and just reflect back on like 20 year old or 21 year old Anna would have written with a very different tone with regard to like um, kind of reflecting on the relationship dynamics. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I appreciate that you, that you can see that that difference and that transition with, well, once again, with the fact that you knew me then very well. Like, mm -hmm. you're probably one of the closest people I was with, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, it's, it feels good that you can see the maturity, I guess, I have gained in, in my insights and understanding within myself and that... <laughs> Like not still my 21 year old self, 18 <laughs> years later or whatever, um, or whatever it is. And uh, so I, I appreciate that reflection that you see that. That's, that makes me feel good. Well, and you know, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of you and the work that you've been doing on yourself these last few years. And I think it's really cool to then see it um, come out very concretely in your writing. So it was awesome. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Of course. Yeah, Wonderful. so those, that was uh, that was my reflection. Um, great, great. Anything well, let's, else let's you want to say that I oh. didn't ask you about? I thought I had something, and now I'm trying to think of what it was. Um, I don't think in this moment, I think in the future, it will be fun for us to, to more detailed wise go over our writings. I don't particularly want to do that right now, just because this wasn't really meant for, for that sort of feedback. Mm -hmm. But um, I do think if we are starting to write more for for public view, that I would love to have more of your editorial insight into some of the what I'm writing, just because I know that my writing style is a bit more free, free flowy. Um, and sometimes I want to buck the norm in terms of, of, of writing style, because I want it to have a bit more flourish and more voice and more unique quality to it. Mm -hmm. And while I want to want to walk that line, I know that walking that line also means towing the line of proper grammar and or just the lost being lost in translation if someone doesn't get it because I'm trying to do something that's not normal. <laughs> Does that well, make sense? Actually, okay, so along those lines, I did have, I guess, kind of a question for you. Would you mind if I, yes. if I went ahead? Yes. 
Absolutely. So um, at the end of your first paragraph, so the one that you let aloud, read aloud, um, you mentioned these scary thoughts and feelings aren't real and my mother would actually see me. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I have talked about sort of your other relationships with family members. Um, but I would say from kind of an editorial perspective, yes. I would be interested to see you explore that a little bit. Obviously, not mm-hmm. much that you're going off on a, ta- you know, a tangent that takes away from the main focus, but it was an yeah. interesting thing to kind of throw in there. Um, yes. It feels like there's a lot behind that. And I think um, from a writing perspective, exploring, so exploring it and also finding the balance of how much do you put in about that incredibly complicated, mm, mm-hmm. you know, um, experience and relationship? How much do you put in? What aspects of it do you put in that kind of relate to the main focus of the writing prompt? Right, right. And distract from it? Um, yes. I would be really interested to see. Yeah, I appreciate that. That that actually, that sentence always kind of like threw me too. Every time I reread it, I was like, there's something not quite... Um, not quite resonating with it. And I feel like I often have those experiences with my writing where it's like, I get stuck on a sentence where it's like that, that, you know, that tension when you feel like it's not quite right or not quite fully expounded. Mm -hmm. And, and I do appreciate the idea of it being sort of a distraction just because it is a whole like literal can of worms in just that those like what four words. Um, And so like, for instance, if I were to be writing a book, uh, and I need your, your feedback and your, your, your edits, that would be a, a red flag of like, Hey, here's something that maybe you don't want to throw in yet. Like, or if you do throw that in now, um, it, there needs to be more substance behind it because it's just sort of this, like, you, you just slammed your reader with this like big thing and then you just move on from it. Mm-hmm. Is that, mm-hmm. is that how you felt about it? Um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, I don't, it didn't really like cause disruption to the flow, but it just made me curious about, you know, you included yes. it for a reason, obviously. And so, yeah, but yeah, I think so Absolutely. what you said makes a lot of sense. And yeah, so I think that would be, um, we can kind of start with a little bit of, of editorial, um, critique. Cause yeah, I think that would be, um, one of the things that kind of, uh, you know, popped into my mind as I was reading, as I was reading. Yeah, thank you. Cool. Great. Well, let's, let's move to you. Um, so just in all, I just, I've always, I have read your writings before. I, I, I can't even recall why or where, but I think maybe I've read some of your school projects or school papers or whatever it is. So like, I have some recollection of reading your work before. Um, and I, and I, and I've always been, um, I'd say necessarily intimidated, but I've always appreciated your mind and, and how quick you are at thinking, how um, intelligent you are at how um, you're always, you're always on in a way where you just, your mind is just firing and active. And I know that there are times when you feel like it's not <laughs> because we can't always be firing and active and anything. Yep. But like the way that I view you is um, you're, you, you often lead and not in a way that's um, 
that's egotistical in any way. This is just who you are. And I, I've always um, value, valued your, uh, your thoughts and your knowledge and um, the way that you, you speak and the way that um, you can tie things together. I always, always felt like that's always been something for me, more of a struggle. And so um, I've always valued your, your brain. <laughs> You Does only love me for my brain. I only love you for your brain. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah. seriously, thank you. That, that really means a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's probably something I've never really told you. It's always just something I always see you at. So it's like, oh, that's Hannah. She's um, she's incredibly intelligent, strong, um, well-thought uh, woman. Um, maybe sometimes so, a little too much. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I mean, maybe that's more your your story about yourself. I don't yeah. think it's ever too much. I always am an appreciative of it. And it's never in a way that is like, um, that makes my brain go numb. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's good. You know, uh, you don't drone on. You don't spout facts unnecessarily. Um, no, it, it's, it's more that... Uh, I always have intelligent conversation with you and I always value that about you and, and at least in our relationship, especially. Me too. I, I really value our conversation. Um, so why don't you say, uh, what, can you give the, the writing prompt and then read um, your first one or two paragraphs or however, how much you want to read? Sure. So, um, you and I, in our last conversation, I think I had mentioned that this is something I've been kind of considering um, as I've looked at my career trajectory so far and also what I may want to do in the future. And it was this idea that um, we have like entire nations around the planet that have been collectively traumatized by various events, um, wars, civil conflicts, um, genocides, you know, many different things, natural disasters, and how we don't really acknowledge that in diplomatic efforts. And as a mental health practitioner, I see the benefits of incorporating a trauma lens into diplomacy. So you kind of asked me to just expand, expound on that a little bit. Um, yeah, so I'll read the first paragraph. I don't know if it really gets into that, the rest of that kind of meat of the prompt, but at least it gives you an idea of, of my voice and where I, where I was starting. So um, it was while watching Ken Burns' Vietnam documentary series that something occurred to me that was so simple and true. I was embarrassed that I had never thought of it earlier. As an American and someone who had worked with Vietnam veterans, I had learned about the traumatizing effect the war had on Americans who were drafted to fight in a strange country, only to come back to the US and face the disapproval and shunning of a nation. I had thought about the stresses faced by those who were waiting to be drafted and those who evaded it through various creative means. I also thought about the impacts of the families of the soldiers who went overseas to fight and either never came back or came back a different person with anger and anxiety that wouldn't be recognized or treated for decades. 
What I had never considered was the impact on an entire nation of people who were living through a civil war and foreign occupation simultaneously. Um, I just want to say that reading that first sentence, I feel so pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> I read this whole thing in like a British accent or something. <laughs> it is yes, yes. Vietnam documentary. <laughs> With a little pipe with your like chair next to the fireplace. Uh-huh, and my smoking. And upon yeah. this reflection, I was thinking. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I want you to read something like that in that <laughs> with a chair that's like huge and like your legs just like don't touch the the ground. Uh-huh. 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 Yeah. Uh, I think uh, we anyway. can make this happen. I uh, think we need to make that happen. <laughs> so so I am going to, I want to use some of the questions that you, you asked me because I feel like those are great. And um, I, I assume you ask those questions because they probably feel like ones that you might want to be asked yourself. So um, firstly, I, I, I appreciate that you gave your initial feedback of what you felt reading your paragraph for the first time, um, because you told me you haven't read this again. Is that correct? Correct. So what, why was your, why do you think your first reaction was that it felt pretentious? Um, I think I feel a little self-conscious about, you know, what you were just talking about. So like, I, I do tend to intellectualize things. Um, you know, I am, I am the one non-science and engineering person in my family. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and not like trafficking in stereotypes or anything, but I definitely think in my family, we deal more in um, analysis than emotions, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I think, I mean, I will totally traffic in stereotypes with this. Coming from a Jewish family, we, you know, the, the like stereotypical idea of a Jewish home is one that has a lot of books. You do a lot of reading, you do a lot of debating, and um, and I feel like, yeah, I am I am a person who, for better or worse, has been taught that my value does lie in my brain, and therefore, mm. um, and and in a specific manifestation of my brain, you know, not the emotional side, not the sort of more raw, unfiltered stuff, but you know the exactly kind of the voice that I'm writing with here. So something very, you know, as polished as I can make it and that this, my argument will be stronger, my, um, my perspective will be more uh, respected if I write it in this very analytical, intellectual way. Um, and then reading it, I'm like, oh man, I am, I am that pretentious hipster that I <laughs> claim not to be, even though I've like lived in Portland, I've had craft beers before. <laughs> <laughs> Satin wicker chairs that are hung from the ceiling. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it's interesting because, mm -hmm. you know, like I think a lot about voice um, as, as a writer, or not as a writer, but as someone who wants to write more. And one of my favorite authors is Barbara Kingsolver. And one of the things- I'm Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I just love the simplicity of her voice. It's not mm -hmm. this. It's not, she doesn't 
you know, use complex sentence structures. She's not a Hemingway and I will never be a Hemingway. I like, I realized my <laughs> problem is that I tend to write too much and like too flowery rather than like very sparsely. But I like her, her voice just is so comfortable and authentic and stripped of anything, um, any pretension to me. And I really like that. But also, I don't necessarily need to have Barbara Kingsolver's voice as a writer. He's Barbara Kingsolver, and I'm not. <laughs> How, so I, I appreciate all that you brought the writings of Barbara Kingsolver in. I, I also am a fan of her work and of, of where she goes with her stories. They're always fascinating to me. And I know probably for you, being from New Mexico, um, there's, she writes a lot about the Southwest, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that probably, there's a draw for you there just because that's where you grew up. Mm -hmm. um, but I do want to say that I, I, I appreciate that we were able to kind of glean a bit of your insecurity out from just that first paragraph from this this prompt. Because when we were talking before about writing insecurities, this you didn't actually bring that up. And, uh, and I'm more saying that just as in terms of curiosity of how I love the process of going deeper into things and how it brings up uh, thoughts and ideas that you know you have, but you just didn't realize that, that actually either helped or hindered you for, you know, further than you realize. So, and, and, and what is also interesting is my um, compliment to you was about your intelligence. And while you value that and you love that, that also, I feel like most like a burden to you in some way where you feel like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that, that maybe it doesn't allow you to expand the, with the capacity that you do have and the writing style that maybe you do want to cultivate. Do you feel yeah. that's correct or? Yeah, it, it does feel a little maybe self-limiting. Um, so I am excited about the, the prospect of maybe experimenting with other types of writing in that it might allow me to get outside of my own self-imposed box. Yeah. And I think, you know, your, your feelings around your insecurity around that are obviously a hundred percent valid. Um, that is, that is your edge right there. And I want to just point out that as I, I read further into this prompt, a lot of what you're writing is actually questions. So for instance, like, um, you know, how do these impacts show up in the decisions made by that country in domestic policy and foreign policy? Well, that's a very intelligent question. It is, it is coupled with, um, let me, I had an, an idea here. Where was it? Um, yeah, just a second. Um, shoot, I had a, Jeremy smells nice. Thank you. Hi, Jasper. I can't hear you, but Jasper, Hannah says hi. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you had a question here, and I can't seem to find it about like asking yourself, like, why hadn't I thought about this particular thing? And, and I, 
I like the fact that while you know you're writing with a lot of um, um, information, you know that you can talk about you know the Boxer Rebellion and apartheid and all those things like that you can you can pull that out of your 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 brain wheelhouse that you have this stored information in. Honey, what's wrong with the thing? Is it just not playing? You just needed to go back on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the point is, is that while this, on its own, and could be a really well thought out research paper, or you know, paper that you might be doing in in a history class or a class on the diplomacy. At the same time, I want to point out that, like, I really appreciate um, what. <sighs> How am I going to say this? How much you're writing with the knowledge of, of what you know, but also you are, you're pushing the edge of this piece by having a lot of questions thrown in there about why didn't this happen this way or why this happened like this. Um, and I feel like because you chose to write it in that way, and I think it must be because this is more of a freestyle, free flow way, you are actually really trying to step over that line of, of branching out of that structure, branching out of that, what you call that, that pretension, the just intelligent based, um, you know, thought piece that mm-hmm. you are actually trying to push that envelope of getting into more of a free flowing thought piece that, that may push your edges more. And so I guess I'm curious for you of what, what were your challenges and insights and um, what, you know, what surprised you by, by writing this piece and maybe even rereading it again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And as you're, you know, as you're talking about different parts, I am rereading it and it's not as painful as I was. (laughs) So that's good. Um, Just from like a very kind of mechanics of it piece or perspective, uh, I go off on tangents a lot and I get really wordy. So it was challenging for me to eventually get around to the point. <laughs> um, at one point during my writing of it, I like look up at what I've just finished writing and I just erase the last like three or four sentences, like the second half of a paragraph. Cause it was like, well, this is just going way too down a hole, a rabbit hole that has nothing to do with the broader perspective. And again, kind of getting back to the, like, my, you know, my ingrained sense of intellectualism. Am I just trying to, like, show off as much as I can, you know, what I do know about this? And so that was really kind of helpful and freeing to say to myself, oh, it's totally fine to just erase that because Mm. you're writing this for yourself. You're writing this for Anna. Um, You're not writing this for a grade. You don't have to have references, you know, to like journal articles or whatever. You can keep what you want in there and you don't have to keep unnecessary stuff. Um, Mm. So that was, but it was, it was hard. But once I started to see what I could erase, it became a little bit easier to do that, to just, you know, recognize maybe at the start of a sentence, oh, nope, this is not, 
something that I need to have in here and kind of cut it off before it went too far down some tangent. Um, I think another challenge, so, you know, when I went back to school after working as an editor, I went for social work and it was um, a program that had specifically a social justice lens. And so now a lot of what I read about, think about and write about is informed by that. And so um, one part where I talk about um, the US education system is pretty egotistical considering everything from an American perspective. Um, and I have in parentheses there, meaning West, you know, American, meaning Western, European, Christian, male, educated, cis, straight, dot, dot, dot. And there's always a question in my mind of like, I think it's important and valid and relevant to include that, that qualifier of Western European, Christian, male, educated, cis, straight, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um, but I recognize that a lot of that language for people can be off-putting or distracting. And so mm -hmm. I think that's gonna be probably a challenge that comes up you know, over time repeatedly for me of what do I keep in there because I feel that it's necessary to acknowledge the role that systems of power and oppression play in a lot of these issues but how do I do that in a way that doesn't turn people off? Either because the language is too, you know, I know a lot of, um, there's been a lot of critique of like, you know, terms like intersectionality and, you know, uh, patriarchal hegemony or whatever. Like there's a lot of jargon out there that's very academic. And so, and I find it a turn off when I read it. So how do I make sure that when I'm writing, I'm writing in a way that's clear and engaging and not cluttered with really like technical terms or whatever, but still gets that point across that we have always historically or for most of our history have centered certain perspectives. Yeah, so you felt a little, um, while you're writing or as you go back to read it, you begin to feel uncertain about stating those terms. While I was writing it, it was like, you know, I want to put these in, I think it's necessary, but also like, I'm, I'm not quite sure how to put that aspect, how to include that aspect with it getting to be too thorny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's that's a great question to to keep out there in the sphere in terms of as we're moving into this more um, PC oriented world, um, and as we move into our own global introspection of why we are here today and what are those stories more globally that have brought us here. You know, individualistically, I can talk about my story and about why I am conditioned in the way I am, which creates certain behaviors and reactions. But, you know, your, your, your prompt is, is more on the global idea of, of what it means 
for an entire global society to be dealing with um, trauma in a huge scale, but each of those countries, each of those individuals all have a different aspect of trauma in general. Most of these traumas have to do with death and war and genocide and um, you know, racism and all those things. And so I think you speaking about that Western European Christian male educated cis straight world, while it can be thorny um, for especially those people who are still in power, who are still walking that line of that centered type of world is also incredibly powerful and important for any work that you might do, especially in diplomacy and especially in trauma-oriented practices, mm-hmm. that that somehow you are able to find that power and also walk that line of, I can't ignore it. However, if I bring up these terms, that's gonna cause a certain reaction. Mm-hmm. So how do you balance those two things without ignoring it or without, um, putting it too much in someone's face who's going to just shut down well and also just like the actual language itself there might be people who you know um aren't turned off by the idea that we need to like address these systems of power and oppression but the language itself I think sometimes can be kind of alienating because it's so academic in some ways. Not, and that's why I try here to like, you know, keep it pretty layman's terms, but even mm-hmm. you're still like listing all these things and I didn't even get into like, mm-hmm. you know, temporarily able-bodied or um, like, yeah, there are many other aspects of identity but it's like, once you start listing them, I feel like sometimes people's eyes glaze over, even if they are themselves really ardently like pro-social justice. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, there definitely is a, a place where you can just hit it too hard and it just, it no longer helps your argument or no longer helps your perspective, but instead just turns somebody off and, and is no longer engaged. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and what I noticed too is you were so close to going deeper. You, you were right there on that edge of, of stepping away from, from the more, uh, the term that you use, the pretentious intelligent kind of like way of writing style. I'm gonna use your words for that. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I see it in that way, but um, that you began to bring yourself in later on in the work. So for instance, you discussing about how you have Israeli cousins. And while I don't know them nearly as well as my American family members, I know them as reasonable, normal individuals, et cetera, et cetera. And as we move further down, um, your final paragraph is about you. I've been interested in career diplomacy since my high school days and thought it's been on the back of my burner for about 20 years. What I would, you know, this, this piece, this could, this could be a whole book, right? Like what you're writing on right now is it, 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 this could, this just idea has so much potential in terms of how deep you can go into this, this idea of the intersection of diplomacy and trauma. Um, 
And I think what I would have loved to see, you know, and not necessarily in this piece, but further on, um, if, if you do decide to write more on this particular topic, is how you're bringing in your, more of your personal experience, not only with your ancestry and the trauma that your family went through, um, but also the experiences that you've been having working in social work, working with, in geriatrics, working with um, these populations that are, are generationally removed from you. Mm -hmm. And what, what it brings up for me is, is sort of the, the work that I have been doing in terms of um, generational healing. Um, and, and I thought about my grandmother. She was, she was born in 1914 in the London area. And she ended up in the middle of World War II because she was a secretary in Germany. Um, she literally was in the war as a woman. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the wounds that my, on my mother's side of the family that is continually passed on, I believe a lot has been started with her, um, with her experience being in war and the fact that she always said that her war times were the greatest times of her life, even though they were the, the most traumatic. Mm -hmm. And um, I really think at least from my perspective on, on what you have been saying about how you want your, your writing to evolve is, is that bringing yourself more into your writing and more into your ideas it, it will be a way for, for potentially for you to bring out other writing style, other writing abilities that you have mm -hmm. um, because you're tapping into you versus you're tapping into the external of the, the facts that you know, right? Yeah. And you are very strong in that way of writing. And, and, and why I am always like impressed by it is because I, I did not grow up in the way you did. I did not grow up with discussion-based, you know, very scientifically based you know, family discussions. And, and, and that's, you know, how you carry yourself in the world is you need to be this very intelligent, informed person. Well, and then that's very important, especially in the society. And I've always, I think with you in general, I've always wanted to tease out more of you, right? Mm -hmm. More of your personal perspective from what you feel and what your personal experience has been and how that can bubble up and come out and, and um, sort of marry the writing style you already have and cultivated and that you have very strongly mm -hmm. how you can bring both that you know the right brain left brain male female masculine feminine aspect to yourself and and when and, and I'm, i want to see i'm curious to see you develop that more feminine aspect um mm -hmm. to your writing and and i know you have it <laughs> but you don't often show that as you to the world yeah. Is that true? I mean, is that, do you yeah. feel like what I'm saying is accurate? <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, that's a sort of vulnerability that is very hard for me to uh, feel comfortable with typically. So definitely. Mm -hmm. Do you know why that particular vulnerability is making you so uncomfortable? Um, I mean, I think, again, some of it, not to like, 
you know, say the like stereotypical, it's all based on my family of origin, but I do, (laughs) it's not something I was raised being really practiced at. Um, And um, like, so even though, you know, I've said, I don't really, I, I get nervous to have other people read my writing or whatever. Like, I know that there's, that I can do a certain type of writing and do it adequately. Um, incorporating more of my perspective and kind of opening myself up through my writing. I don't know that I can do that to a level that I would be okay with. And so it's, it's a little intimidating to think of that. And then also just the, the aspect of like writing about your personal self is always a little scary to me because um, it's so it exposes you to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and sometimes you know I think kind of like the experience you had with your writing prompt it makes you it brings you realizations you didn't even know were churning over in your mind until you wrote them down and sometimes realizations can be really uncomfortable to confront and think about absolutely 100 <laughs> percent and you know just to bring in more of myself into this I I, I feel like with what our our entire world is dealing with with this whole pandemic um, is that for myself and what I have discussed with other people too who are open to this is that it has helped me to be okay with the discomfort, discomfort, general discomfort, but also the uncertainty of the discomfort of uncertainty. And how I have often in my life uh, denied, pushed away, buried any time that I might feel uncomfortable. And for myself, the more that I bury that, the more that I disallow um, discomfort, I, um, I create more and more barriers between my true self and the ability to feel with every ounce of my being. Um, and this is a whole other topic, but, but, but I guess what the point I'm being saying, just like my kid, um, is Jasper, you need to wait. You need to come in here and ask me and not scream for me in the other room. Just a second, please. What do you need? What? The point of being is that I'm saying it and talking about discomfort is that I hear you saying that dipping into more of that other aspect of yourself that, that encourages um, the unfolding of things that you don't want to think about or feel, um, that is where we learn and grow. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm always excited to push my edge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always excited about the insights I gain from that. And I am excited for you, whatever your edge is that you are excited to push. I 
we'll be honored and happy to, to at least give you that safe place, space to explore that for yourself. Thank you. And I, um, you've given me a really great example to follow. Um, and yeah, and a, and a nice kind of soft landing for when I do feel brave enough to start sharing that stuff. And so I, I'm excited even as much as I'm terrified. <laughs> Good. The terrifying <laughs> means that, that it's exactly where you need to go. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything else about your piece? I, I'm going to have to wrap up soon because my kid's going to go crazy. Um, yeah. Is there anything about your piece that you, you wanted to comment on or any questions or yeah? Uh, no, I think we got off to a really good start. This has been really enjoyable talking about and you know I, I know I said this kind of at the beginning but like it's it's just really cool to have this forum in which to like learn more about you both as Anna and as a writer um, and and then also to like be able to benefit from your wisdom and experience with my own writing and exploration so this was really enjoyable. Yeah, thank you. And I, I want to echo that for you as well. I, I think we have a lot of room to grow for learning about each other more and to deepen our own friendship. And I believe we both have a lot of skill set that can encourage um, each other in, in a more motivating way, because I am motivated to work with you and I'm motivated to learn more about you and I'm motivated to, I guess, um, create with you and uh i'm excited as well as to where this might go and that it as long as we both feel motivated and good about it i think we can continue it with that with that frame of mind definitely in next week's episode hannah writes a piece addressing her jewish identity and talks with anna about living in the historical home of the nazi party This podcast has been another episode of The Pen Is, with your hosts Anna Bradley and Hannah Binder, and technical support provided by Julia Einersen. Thanks, as always, for spending some time with us as we learn about ourselves as writers and humans. You can find new episodes weekly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. We love hearing from others about their own experiences with writing. Please feel free to email us at annahannapodcast at gmail.com. Until next week, keep that pen busy.